You're listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I'm Pastor Josh. I would like to invite you to embark with me on a journey, a journey of biblical study. Through practical application of the Word of God, it is my prayer that you grow in greater relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Please join me as we journey to the next Stepping Stone of Faith. Hey folks, I'm Pastor Josh. With me today, I have Shannon Bale. We're doing our walk through the Psalms today. We're continuing on. We're in Psalm 51. Psalm 51 today on the walk through the Psalms with Pastor Josh and Shannon. Shannon, would you want to open us up with some prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for all your goodness and all your mercies because we know that they endure forever, Lord. So, Father, I thank you for this time that Josh and I are able to spend in Psalm 51. Lord, I ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would speak, uh, speak through us today, Lord. May whatever comes forth from our mouth be, uh, be of you, Lord, and may it be bring joy and understanding and wisdom to those that get to hear it, Lord. Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for all that you're going to do through this study today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Psalm 51 is a psalm of David. It is David's repentant prayer. We know the background of this, or you can read it in your Bible. The prophet Nathan went to, uh, went to, um, not Paul, excuse me, not Paul, folks. It's one of those days I'm reading a lot of Paul. Went to David and confronted him about his sin with Bathsheba. And out of the result of that came this psalm. I want you to listen as we read this and explain this. Uh, try to grasp the heart of David as he's going through this psalm. Okay, starting with verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the abundance of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Man, I will tell you what a way to start a prayer. I think personally, in the context of today's day and age, I think when we pray, we should start off with that. Uh, we should, we should, when I, when I was first a believer, I was taught as a believer by Lawrence and Shirley Crawl, actually, that we come before God and we ask for forgiveness first so that, so that we're not harboring anything, so that we're not hindering our prayers to reaching God. And so, Personally, I think that's what we should do. David does this. Can you imagine David's David's heart? He's a man after God's own heart. He loves the Lord. He loves God. He messed up. He slipped up. And, you know, as we do these kinds of things, we think, well, nobody saw me look at her. Nobody, nobody has to know. Nobody knows that I that he was gonna that that I meant to have him Uriah die in the front lines. Nobody, nobody knows that. Nobody knows what my plans were in my innermost being. And he thinks he gets away with it. Nathan, somebody who is completely objective of the situation, comes up to him and says what he says, confronts him about it. And I believe it's in one of the first Samuel is where it's at. Isn't that correct? Where Nathan comes up to him. It's in uh, Joshua. It's in second Samuel. And it was uh, chapters 11 and 12. If you want to read that account of David and Bathsheba. So 2 Samuel 11 and 12. Yeah, chapters 11 and 12, brother. So he's he's thinking, he's thinking, boy, I've got away with this. I've gotten away with this. Nathan comes up and confronts him about it. And he's like, and imagine 
you think you get away with something and then God then from somebody else completely out of the out of the realm comes in and speaks to that situation. Now, in this context, Nathan knew that it was David, but we've had contexts in our lives where God just speaks to us through someone that doesn't know the situation and we have to repent. So we think, oh my goodness, God knows. He says, oh my goodness. He's thinking, I'm sure to himself, oh my goodness, I can't hide it from God. I can't hide my motives from God. And so he goes before God with a, with a pure, humble heart and asks for forgiveness and asks for compassion and asks for all these things. And what does God do? God hears a prayer like that. God's ears are attentive to our cry when we are come to God with that kind of prayer. Amen. Amen, brother. That's so true. Uh, we also see in verses, uh, let's go ahead and uh, if, if we can continue, Pastor Josh, we'll go from uh, verses three through four, and I'll okay. go ahead and read those. It says, for, uh, and I'm reading from the uh, New King James Version. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. This is David speaking to God. Verse four says, against you, only you have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. I want to bring out real quickly when I when, there's about three different U's in here. I want you to understand when you look in your Bible that these are capital Y's. You mean he's speaking to God and saying, "You only you I have sinned against. Uh, you see my evil. You see the evil deeds that I've done. It's what uh, just what you just spoke to, Pastor Josh. That the fact that um, that sin was before God, He could see it. Maybe others couldn't see it, but He uh, God could see it. And then he, uh, he also says that you, capital Y, may be found just when you speak, another capital Y, God, when you speak, and blameless when you judge. In other words, he's very aware that God is his judge, that he knows his sin, he has found out his sin, and that David has not hidden it. A lot of times I think we get in that mode where we think we've hidden this sin, and maybe we have to the outside eye. But I'll tell you what, it will tear us up from the inside out. Over and over again in my life, even in my life, and I know, Pastor Josh, you could say the same. I have seen sin try to come back on me. Now that I know that I am a, a believer in Jesus Christ and that my sin has been washed away, that sin, will, that, sin that I've done will try to find me out again and try to come back up. And, and I think here we see in verse 3 and 4 that that transgression, he says, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin. It's always before David. He's thinking it again and again and again. Man, I have messed up. And Lord, I just come to you. And, and he's, he's just coming to him with a, a humble and repentant heart. So I really believe that uh, just as you spoke in about verses 1 and 2, here in 3 and 4, we're just seeing that progression of David saying, I know that my Lord has seen my sin. Not just because Nathan had called him out in it, but he can, he can still, it's like he can feel it inside of him. You know, like something that doesn't belong, something that's festering, like 
you know, uh, something that like a cancer is inside of him, like the sins inside of him, and he he can't get rid of it. The only way that it can be get uh, that that it can go away, that the sin can go away, is if God will forgive him of it. So that's where I'm at with verses three and four, brother. I like how David says here, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. The road to victory for anybody, any sin, is the acknowledgement of that sin, the acknowledgement of that weakness. We, if When we acknowledge that we are weak in an area, when we say, you know, I acknowledge this, I, I see this in myself. Once we start doing that, there's there's a couple different perspectives to that. One of the perspectives is when, when a kid is caught, like my kids, when they're caught doing something and I know about it, they know they can't lie because they know I know about it. So they're going to acknowledge that. Say, yeah, I did. You know, but there's another perspective of that to where when we come before God and we acknowledge, yes, I have a problem with such and such. You're beginning the process of walking with God through the through the process to victory. You acknowledge it. It's going to be a long road for some things. Some things it's a long road uh, to go through. But as long as we acknowledge the 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 whole point of I have a problem with this. God help me. God be with me. And David, if you read if we read through this psalm, David is basically doing that. And and we know that David pays the price for this for the rest of his life but he acknowledges that that sin is there and he acknowledges that that he needs god's help and i think that's that's the the first step to victory in any anything that we're doing is the knowledge and the understanding that we need to go before god and acknowledge because we can't say well you know can you imagine how this psalm would have went if when Nathan came up to David and told him that David said, well, it's none of your business. It's none of your business. Stay out of here. What would David's life have been like, even though he suffered the price for, for, being, for being transparent and, and being repentant, he still suffered a price. But could you imagine the price he would have suffered if he would have had an attitude of, of that? You know, get out of here. You know what I'm saying? But he didn't. He didn't do that. He had a, a he acknowledged it, and that is the the first road to victory, step to victory in anything that we deal with. I think I just real quick, just to hit hit that real quick, and we can move on, Josh. But I really believe God. If we remember, if we remember that that David was a man after God's own heart. Yes, he has sinned. Yes, he has done wrong. But that, I don't believe, has ever been taken away from him. I believe he is still a man after God's own heart. And we see it here. As he, be, I mean, We're going to see it for the next 12, from verses 1 through 12. We're going to see that repentant heart. We're going to see those things that he says, Lord, I know only you can take care of this problem, this sin problem that we all have, right, Pastor Josh? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sin problem. We're born into it. We're going to see that as we move on to uh, the next few verses, that there's a problem there, and we're born into it, uh, but there's a way out. You know, Jesus Christ is the way out, and uh, as as this, you know, progresses, you know, I, I believe we'll see, I believe we'll all be able to see that progression that, 
this is still a man after God's own heart. And I think if you look at if you if if you look at this, the reason that it's not taken away from him is the attitude that he that he puts forth in this psalm. You know, it's it's his attitude of being wanting and desiring to be right with God because he knows he's messed up. He knows God knows he's messed up. He knows God revealed it to the prophet. So three people at least know he's messed up. So he can't run from it. He can't deny it. So he the 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 the, the fact of his um approach in his attitude is why he never loses that desire to be a man after God's own heart. Yes, he pays a price, but he still is a man after God's own heart. And he goes on and he says in verse um, verse 5, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward parts and the hidden part you make me to know wisdom. God brings about, again, again, he's acknowledging the sin nature in here. And then he just, and, and, and then he says, God desires for me to know the truth in the inward parts, in the inward man, in the spiritual man. You see, if, if, if anything that, that would bring about a born again experience, I believe for the Old Testament covenant, if you wanted to overlay the New Testament covenant and say, was this a born again experience? One could argue that in the in the New Covenant, this was much likened to a born again experience because he is coming before God and he is he's acknowledging the sin of, of his life, the sin nature that is there. He's desiring to get victory over it. And, he, and he's acknowledging that God wants us to know wisdom in the inner part. Not not just head, you know. It's 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 okay to be smart here in 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 your in your thoughts in your mind, and that's great. You know, go to school, kids stay in school, be a lifelong learner. That's my thing. But to know wisdom and know truth from the heart, in the heart, is something much more, much more than just head knowledge. It's it's um, it's it's a desire to know. God. You know, I can know, like I'm, I'm a visual mathematician. Okay. Uh, I can look at something and figure the math out in my head. I'm a, I'm a visual mathematician. That's in my head. That has nothing to do with my heart, but the knowledge of God coming into my mind from the word of God, from speaking with other people, that's head knowledge. But then God, because of his infinite wisdom, because of his, who he is, he allows that knowledge from here to trickle down to our heart and change us from the inside out. Math doesn't change you in attitude and and all those things, but God does. God's word does. And that's what David is saying here. David is desiring a change of, of wisdom in the inner part, not just head, but in the, the spiritual man desires wisdom from God, not just the physical man. Not just, you know, because they had that in the synagogues. They, you know, they were reading the scriptures and I, I don't know, uh, David's day, you know, the priest did these things and, and all those things. They were getting intellectual knowledge, but David's desiring more than that. He's desiring this, this the inward knowledge of the spiritual man and wisdom. So Amen. that's what David is doing here. 
Yeah, I like how the I like how the there was a separation in there between your head and your heart. That's where that's where everything is. And and we, we learned the last time we were we spoke uh the last song that God looks at the heart. He's looking at the heart. He doesn't look at the outside. He doesn't want uh white whitewashed tombs, you know, that are uh full of dead men's bones. He wants, you know, people full of the spirit of God. He wants to see uh, good inside of a, the good inside of a person, because if there's good, that, that good is happening inside of that person and that person's spirit, it's going to come out in action. Mm-hmm. If we're not living a good li- a life towards God in our hearts or in our spirits, then that's going to show in our actions. Mm-hmm. So I, I like the part where it kind of gives you, I want, I want my spirit to even have the wisdom and understanding that, um, that God knows everything and he's taking care of all things. And he's, he's, he's the one that sees what's going on inside. Maybe not even our wives see what's going on inside of us, but God sees what's going on inside of us. And that's what really counts. Right. Yeah. So, uh, moving on, uh, verses seven and eight, it says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hallelujah. Then uh, verse 8 says, Make me hear, uh, make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hallelujah. What does your what does your thing say? What does your version say for verse 7 for the first couple? Purge of me with hyssop. Purge me. Okay, mine says purify. Okay. Me with his. Right. And it's pretty is much it, it's the same type of thing. Go ahead. Pretty much the same. But there's a lot of implication here. A lot of things here with hyssop. Um, and uh, Shannon, you've got some information there. I'll go ahead and let you share that. And yeah. then um, we can go on from there. And uh, if I've got some things that come up, I'll go ahead and share that as well. Yeah, Absolutely. I just really wanted to share my Bible. I have a study Bible that I use and Pastor uh, Josh and I had spoke even before we uh, did this, that hyssop was an herb associated with cleansing and purification. You can uh, find that in Numbers 19, 6, and and, and it is used here symbolically of cleansing the soul. And that's exactly what David is wanting. He's wanting his soul cleansed. He knows it's not the outside that needs to to be so clean. It's the inside. The inner parts of him feel nasty and dirty and don't feel right. And he just needs it washed clean. Then it says, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Also in here, it says the Hebrew word for wash is not the one used for simply cleaning of a dish in water, but rather the washing of clothes by beating and pounding. David wanted a thorough cleansing of his sinful nature. He knew who he was. Uh, he knew where he came from, as we see in the prior verses, that he came from evil. He knew that the you know his everybody, every his mom and his dad were you know a, a, a sinful people. Just like the, his children were sinful people, we're all sinful people. We, we sin. So he, he acknowledges this once again. He says, Lord, don't just wash a dish. Pound this stuff out of me. Get it out of me. He's very vocal. He's very 
he wants so bad to be cleansed of of this terrible thing that he has done, you know, not uh, with Bathsheba. You know, he knows he has really went against God's will. And he's saying, wash me, because he knows he's the only one, God's the only one that can make him whiter than snow. He knows that God's the one that can flush this sin out of his soul. Not just, you know, just by saying it, but in, within the spirit man, within that person that, you know, that says, I need more of you, Lord. I need you to wash me. This is a man, David's a, acquainted with the Holy Spirit. He's acquainted with the spirit of God, and he's missing out on that right now. So he says, wash me so I may have that once again. I want that back in my life. Go ahead, Pastor. Well, one of the things, too, that I that I find very interesting is that when, when the children of Israel were instructed to put blood on the doorposts and the lintels, that hyssop was used to spread that blood. Now, one could say, and I, I don't know if this is going to be taken as over-spiritualization, but kind of roll with me in this, okay? Now, they put blood over their house. Their house was clean. The things inside their house was considered clean. When we come before God, just as David came before God, said, purge me with hyssop. The Bible says that we are a temple to the Holy Spirit or, you know, a house. And when they were putting the blood over that, they were making their house clean. When we come before God and we ask God to touch us, to minister to us, to give us this ability to, to be born again by, by, by means of repentance and prayer, we too are just like the, the, the Israelites putting the blood of Christ over our home, over our body, pleading the blood over our body. Therefore, we are clean just as the children of Israel were considered clean. That's why it, it became a difference of being of clean and unclean in a way, in a, in, a, in a sense, because the blood made them clean. The Egyptians didn't do that. So they were considered unclean or unsaved or unrighteous. Okay. So, so when we pull this up to the new covenant, the blood of Christ does the same thing. We put it over, we, we plead it over our bodies, over our quote unquote spiritual homes our spiritual bodies, our house, our spiritual houses, and we are made clean. We are made, we are made worthy before God. And so there's, there's that implication with that as well. And, and that is something that as we go through the Psalms, you will see a lot of, a, a lot of symbolism and pictures to what the new covenant was all about. And Jesus in the new, new Testament, always goes back to the Psalms and the prophets and all those things to show that symbolism was in him and in, and in the new covenant. So, yeah, as you speak of that, uh, uh, pastor Josh about the, uh, the, the new covenant and the old covenant, uh, I am reminded of a, a Sunday school teacher that told me that the, the old Testament points to Christ and the new Testament points back to Christ. We're all it, the center of the Old Testament and the New Testament. It all surrounds around Jesus. It's all either pointing to Jesus 
or it's uh, the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus or the New Testament is pointing back. So yeah. in verse 8, uh, I don't know if it's okay to move on to verse 8. Yeah, let's go ahead and go to verse 8, yeah. Okay, and I, I read it earlier, but I'll read it again. It says, make me hear joy and gladness. Boy, he's really desiring something here, Pastor Josh. That the, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Uh, and, it, it, you know, with, with what he is saying here, and I kind of wrote some stuff down here. I'm just going to go ahead and read it from my, uh, right from my journal. I see that David relates his sinful nature to his bones that have been broken. In other words, on, in, on his inside parts, he feels totally broken. He asked for joy and gladness. He has known of his joy and gladness from God because the sin has somehow stopped him from getting into the presence of the Lord. That's something I think we we need to really see uh, through this psalm is we can stop the presence of God. We really, really can. Uh, if we're not operating in uh, the what Jesus has told us to do, we we push the Holy Spirit away. We're not living in a life living a life that is fully lived towards Him. So I I, I believe David's he, he's 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 already been in the presence of God and he knows how how glad he was and how joyful he was. But right now he says, "Man, my bones feel like they're broken. Like things are out of place in my life. Things are out of place inside of me, and I need you, Lord." to come back with your joy and gladness uh, because the sin has, like I said, somehow stopped him from getting into the presence. And uh, David desires to have this presence more than anything. And that's where we need to be. If I gathered anything out of this whole Psalm, this, this verse hit me, I think harder than any of them, Pastor Josh is because I want to stay in the presence of the Lord. And if there's anything that is uh, keeping me from doing that, Lord, I need you to purge that out of me, just like we saw in the prior verse. I need you to purge that out of me, whatever that takes, whatever, whatever, whatever it takes. I don't care if you have to have someone come talk to me about it, whatever it may be. Get this sin out of my life because I want to be in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Go ahead. And when and, you know, if if at all anything, we know this is a living word, so. This applied for David for the first for the you know the for the for his his time his era. This applies for the 21st century because Absolutely. it's a living word. We have to we have to go before God in this kind of attitude. You know when when we you know and I've I've been in positions like this where you know you're in God and and you know things are great and then something something causes you to slip up. It might be something you read, see, or say, or do, or whatever. But you slip up and then you don't acknowledge it right away. And pretty soon you're you feel like that. You feel like something's missing in your life. You don't feel the same. You're not sure what's missing, but something's missing. And it ends up being you realize you go to God and say, what's missing? He says, me, I'm missing. You're, you, you've walked away. And so then David here is, is saying that restore is essentially saying restore the relationship that we had. Restore the relationship. He goes on and he says, hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. And then I love this verse. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 
that is a real prayer of repentance right there. You know, he says, hide your face from my sin. God, don't look upon me. You know, we see in we see in the New Testament when when Jesus was on the cross, God had to turn his face away from the sin. He's saying, hide your face from my sin and restore into me a clean heart. Now, this isn't just make my mind right. This isn't just, you know, get my head screwed on straight so I'm walking with you. But this is like the inner being, the innermost part of man. He desires a clean heart. Uh, intimate relationship, a a relationship that is fully sold out on God. He says, renew and renew a right spirit, renew a right spirit. So, so he's acknowledging, again, he's acknowledging that his spirit is not right with God. He's probably got greed. He's probably got envy. He's probably, we know he had covetousness. Got Absolutely. all these things and these spirits are reigning and ruling and reigning. He says, he says, restore in me a right spirit. Renew a right spirit. The one that comes from God. Not just one that I know I'm okay with God here, but one that I know I'm okay with God from the inner man out. And that's interesting. You, you had brought that out earlier. When we're right with God in here, in our heart, in our inner man, that will blow forth in our, in our actions and deeds. And it will show. And David is saying, I want to be clean. I want to be right with you. I want to be have the right spirit. I want to have the right. And with the right spirit comes the right attitude. You know, if you think about that, right, right living produces right speech, produces right, you know, right, right relationship produces right speech, produces right life. Okay, so so we we need and desire, we should anyway, this from God. Because if we don't, then then we're just working here and not working in the heart. We got to be working in the heart in order for the head, because the heart always goes leads and the head follows suit and the actions follow suit.